It is the book of Ruth. The word book stretches the definition that we may be forming in our minds because it's only four chapters long. In fact, Emily could have finished it in the next 10 minutes, I believe. <laughs> we, we have a precious book. We have a precious book here that needs to be received in all of its beauty. It is a suspenseful story. We begin that reflection on it today, and I will not spoil the suspense, but invite you back the next two Sundays to hear as well, as we move through this story together, what the outcome of a very difficult situation was. Elimelech lived in Bethlehem with his family. Because of drought, in all likelihood, life had become untenable there. Elimelech lived in a town called Bethlehem, which was particularly ironic. The meaning of the word of that town is house of bread, and there was no bread. He was concerned to feed his family. And did not see much promise where he was. And so he got with Naomi and his two sons. They packed up what meager belongings they had. And they set out for the God-forsaken country of Moab. Because they had heard that perhaps there was something there that they could use to work out their existence. Moab was on the other side of the Dead Sea, and it received, no doubt, immigrants and refugees just like this family, and shared with them what they had available. But the situation got much worse. Who knows exactly how long they were in Moab? But while they were there, and as the boys grew up, they interacted with the culture of those that were around them. When it came time for them to marry, they chose wives from their community. No doubt, Elimelech and Naomi had to talk this through and hope that the faith that they were passing on to their sons would be preserved in their families as well. But Elimelech died and left Naomi a widow. And then both of her sons died and left their wives widowed as well. In fact, it was a cluster of widows that were in a very vulnerable, utterly vulnerable situation. In their patriarchal world, there was no provider. There was no inheritance. There was no pension. There was no social security. They were literally beggars on the streets. When you read in the Bible and it 
admonishes us to care for orphans and widows. The reason is because there was no caretaking outside of the goodwill of those that saw the situation and tried to redeem redeem it in some way. Naomi, in looking upon her life and all that she had lost, decided maybe it was better for her just to go back home, even if there was a famine still there. Orpah and Ruth offered to go with her Out of perhaps their love for who she was as a person and their anxiety over what would become of her life, they said, we will go with you. Naomi's reaction was, oh no, you have to take care of yourselves. It's better that you stay right here in this place where you at least have some family connections Orpha made the decision to stay, but Ruth was not to be deterred. Ruth was absolutely resolute in her commitment. She said, don't urge me to abandon you. Wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, and that was a good possibility, they all three knew. Wherever you die, I will die. Perhaps you've heard a preacher at a wedding use this before. It's a favorite for the plucking. Ruth's words sort of sound like the wedding vows. To have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish until we are parted by death. And in those words, there is this covenant relationship, this expectation that husband and wife will be together and take care of each other. But there's a mutuality of that approach. That is not what is happening here. What is so significant about this situation with Naomi and Ruth is that it is so dire that Naomi, Naomi without Ruth is nothing in the world. Ruth is pledging herself to be the servant of a beggar. It is a bold decision because it is such an uncertain future. When finally Naomi relents and allows Ruth to accomplish, accompany her on this route back to Bethlehem, she arrives in Bethlehem and those who knew her before could not even recognize her. In fact, if you read a little further in this chapter, you will find that they are asking the question, can this be Naomi? It doesn't appear that it is her, but it seems like it's her. Life had been so difficult for her. Names have meanings as well. 
And Naomi is ironic too. Because Naomi actually means pleasant. And Naomi Naomi threw up her hands and she said, don't call me pleasant. Call me Maharai. And anyone who heard her say that would have known what that meant. Extremely bitter. Because her circumstances were that. And who wouldn't be bitter? (coughs) It was beyond her control. Some of you have found yourself in a foreign land. You know what I'm talking about. When circumstances of your life have become so disheartening. That even when you were at home, you couldn't really be at home. Now some of you don't have a clue what I'm talking about. But some of you know in your heart because you have felt this before. It is not a good place to be. When even though you're at home, you really can't be at home. There are two thoughts that come to mind for me in the hearing of this story. This is a two-part sermon, not a three-part sermon. Two parts. We're going to get there. First... Naomi really needs somebody, even though at first she seems to suggest that she doesn't. How many people do I know like this? Now, usually it's guys that fall into this category, but I've known enough women that did as well. So independent-minded, I can do it by myself. Don't need anybody else. If no one's going to help, I can do it by myself. They live so independently... That they put themselves in this place where they are separated from community. But the truth is that we need the loving support. We are dependent far beyond what we would admit. We are dependent upon loving community and support to get us through any given day. And especially through any crisis that we find ourselves in. A few years ago, just... Three years ago, I believe it was, that Bishop King encouraged our conference to put together in our churches clues. The pastors looked with question at what he was asking. He said, clues, what is that, Bishop King? Christ-like love units. Okay, so what are Christ-like love units, Bishop King? He said, a very necessary thing. He had prayerfully come to this in his mind. He said, we need to get together. Everybody needs to be getting together with at least two or three other people on a regular basis in order that we can share life in Christ, lest anybody be left out of that equation. I agree with him. Some of you may think that you can function without small groups. In fact, you may have been making an effort in that regard. Having your morning devotionals, having your evening devotionals, being in prayer before meals, coming to worship on Sundays. But when you exit, if you exit alone, you are making your life difficult. You think to yourself, I don't have time for another group. Friends, you need... You and I need 
each other in order that we can make it through the difficult parts of our lives. Facing life alone is not what God intends. And so point number one, Naomi really, really needs somebody and you and I do too. Point number two, (coughs) Ruth's adoption. And this is more about Ruth than about Naomi. The book is named after her. Ruth's adoption of Naomi is an expression of the very love of God. And that's what's going on. In fact, this is exactly why Jesus came into the world and gathered his disciples into a small group. Why he shares with us the heart of God, (coughs) giving his life away for this purpose. He shared the story of the prodigal son, the father that goes out on the road, not waiting for the son to come back, but going to greet him even before he gets back home. We are called to search out and adopt others. And let me step out. And interject something here in this place. I certainly am no expert on immigration policy. And I do not have the answers. But let me say to you. That I believe the political rhetoric. That has occurred in recent years around this subject. I know for me is discouraging, even disheartening, because it does not embrace the Bible that we read together. Moab knew how to treat immigrants and foreigners, refugees, perhaps better than we know how. And Bethlehem and Judah. Well, hospitality, this specific type of hospitality, was built into their Torah law. I'm going to leave it to someone who is smarter than I to figure out how that's all to happen. But you and I should never be mean-spirited. To speak ill of those That God sends our way. Our one and only option. Is to open our hearts. Because God has opened his heart to us. Jesus came to share with us. Because we have been the ones. That have been in a foreign country. We have been gathered in by him. And in fact. He invites us to his table. Would you turn at the first of your hymnal to page 12 as we share together in this precious service?